Hey, and I'm Shell Southwell. Um, just um, wanting to introduce for you again the next segment. Um, so this is one of the news segments that Lyle did last year. Um, that yeah, it's, it's just a, a, a year old, really, but it but it's kind of got current um, information in it now that it's back in the news again with the um, drug testing at concerts. So, um, yeah, and then we're going to go straight into some some music and the encounter from that same show. So enjoy, um, and thanks for tuning in. Give me a call. I'm here right by the phones, so it'd be good to hear from you all. Thanks. Uh, okay, a couple of other things very quickly. Uh, concert over the weekend, you've got one dead, three critical. Oh, no. Um, from drug overdoses, you've got 69 people who are banned from uh, events, 62 that were uh, in, um, charged, and one man who was caught with 145 capture, capsules on him and now faces 20 years imprisonment. Good. Yeah, absolutely. So this okay, is something that we need to highlight. But yeah, lock these people up, and you know, he's, he's trading in death. Exactly. That's why I have very little you know. sympathy for drug dealers when they go to prison. It's like don't don't lower that sentence because you know if he gets out, what's he going to do? Just keep dealing. You've got the possible of you know, there's every possibility that four people died because of what he did this weekend. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, if, the, if these three critical ones don't make it, and one has already died, and they were his pills, mm-hmm. you know, and of course that's going to probably be impossible to determine. But these are the guys who are causing that. So yeah, lock them up and throw the keys away. Yeah, I agree. Um, <coughs> and also, it's it's a it's a warning, guys. If you're going to go and do something like this, go and have fun. That's right. You don't have to have drugs to have fun. In fact, drugs are just going to mess it up um, and make it it uh, um, way way worse mm-hmm. for everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, another story that's coming out is about snake relocation, and they're starting to question whether this is actually a positive thing. I have to say, the snake relocation is not a positive thing, and I'm going to tell it's you why. Just like, yeah, I but know. Okay, what they're doing is they've got uh, they've they've uh, they're doing uh, experiments um, in Queensland with um, death adders. Death adders. Death adders. Wait, wait, wait. We have death adders in Australia. Hang on, why am I surprised? We have no, death adders are an Australian snake. Okay, it just sounds like such a. Australian snake. Does it? Okay, yes. go on. It just sounds like, I mean, how worst snake? Because yeah, we, we have kind of lame names like brown snake and black snake and red belly snake. Yeah, it's like, very unimaginable. Yeah, yeah. Whereas in a, in a, it's like a rattlesnake and like these death adder and viper. It sounds like way more exciting. When they're, they're it really does. I mean, the brown snake is like one of the most venomous snakes on the, the planet. planet. And, and we, we call just it call it a brown, a brown snake. snake. <laughs> we could have come up with something. You know, so maybe if you can come up with a better name for the brown snake, give us a call. one 800 Four eight four three. Let's. Uh, but anyway, the death adder. Uh-huh. They're they're doing this experiment with death adders because they don't move much. Mm-hmm. A death adder, on average, moves three meters a day. Wow. Okay. Uh, but what they found is that when you relocate a snake, it suddenly becomes erratic in its behavior. It increases its range. It moves more often. It becomes more defensive i.e. aggressive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that then creates a problem for, um, you know, for pets or humans that come in contact with them. And I can testify to this because I used to live in Marsden Park and there used to be, now retired, a snake catcher who used to release snakes in Marsden Park and he retired a year after we moved there. But in the first year, we had 37 snakes in our first summer oh. on our property. Oh, that's disgusting. 
And you know we're on a we're on a dead end street. There's only four houses on the street. We're surrounded by bush. Mm. You know, so he's he's working in Sydney. This is the first bush that he comes across as he's driving out of Sydney. Best place to release snakes, and they all got dumped in our backyard. Great. Yeah. See, I, I'm not into snake relocation. I'm definitely into. Well, here's the here's the problem. They're, they're saying they're saying that. Uh, okay, we're not even going to put that to air, but. Um, <laughs> Late, Where's yeah. that eight it's second delay show. button? <laughs> 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 uh, but here's the uh, here's the uh, we, we do not we do not promote breaking the law here on Faith FM. Just for the we record. do promote recycling though, and I think sh- snakes make great shoes. <laughs> Just getting worse. I'm going to change the subject. I think I need to talk about something else this morning. Sorry, I hate snakes so but, much. Uh, the thing that worries me is that if mm-hmm. they do away with snake relocation, they're not going to replace it with decapitation. They're going to replace <laughs> it with with uh, just leaving them where they are, which, you know, that can be a little bit worrying for people, you know, can be, create anxiety and stress and so Look, forth. Look, if, if, uh, if they're going to relocate. And, and, and snake catchers being out of work. Yeah, if they're going to relocate them, they need to relocate them in a, in a smart place. And I, I'm, I wouldn't mind like a helicopter ride and drop you off in some bush where like no one even has access to. There's no walking trails or nothing. <laughs> yeah, declared wilderness area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Anyway, moving on from there. Yes. Um, China's social credit system in which they are building a utopian society <laughs> uh, through... Communism, sure, sure. Um, yeah, yeah. But basically, they monitor everything you do through cameras and through algorithms that follow your every move, and your social credit either goes up or down. And the higher it goes, then the more services you have available, and the lower it goes, the less services. It's you not have utopia. That's prison. Um, and so you know things about uh, things like saying something bad about the government if that's recorded, down it goes. Jaywalking, down it goes. Late payments, down it goes. Uh, Posting negative things on social media, down it goes. Frivolous purchases, down it goes. Unhealthy what? food, down it goes. What? Yes, frivolous purchases. Okay, the couple here that you'll like, alcohol, down uh-huh. it goes. Uh-huh. Video games, too much oh, time yes. on video games, down clap, it goes. Clap, clap for that one, <laughs> impressed. Okay, but you can be banned from work, uh, from travel, from social media, from higher education, from buying a house, hotel. Uh, sending kids to private school, etc., etc., etc. Seven million people have been banned from those things already. So this is the Chinese uh, utopian society. It's absolutely disgraceful. Okay, protection visas lodged in Australia by country. Uh huh. Nine percent of them. These are refugees. Gotcha. Nine percent of them are from Malaysia. Fifteen percent of them are from Fiji. Sixteen percent of them are from Pakistan. 17% India, Bangladesh 19%, Iran 19%, Indonesia 21%, China 311%. What? What? That's enormous. Yeah, yeah that utopia that, is- that everyone's trying to get out of. <laughs> this, this is actually frightening because we've never had communism where they've been able to blend it with this level of technology. Yeah. It's frightening how that this is like the new face of communism coming up that you know we're course, experiencing something thing, totally the new. The big thing of course um, as far as religion goes is um, you know because Australia accepts um, Falun Gong members mm-hmm. and um, the Muslim Uyghurs um, we accept those as genuine refugees but the social credit system is aggressively attacking religious people uh, particularly Christians uh, along with you know the ones that I've mentioned, who, which are you know kind of outlawed already anyway, um, and if you're a part of a Christian church, of course you're. Uh, you know, this is what happens when you lose religious liberty. Do you, 
Anything. This is the result of you losing yeah. religious liberty, and we have been talking about religious liberty all last week. We're going to continue to talk about it this week because our religious liberty here in this country is under threat. Yeah, absolutely. And what you've got is a prime example of what happens when a government takes away religious liberty. You've got everybody just wants to leave that country. They're like, get me out of there. It's funny because people often think that Australia could never go down that path, but we don't realize how close yeah. we've come in the past. We came, we, uh, two senators blocked it last week. And, yeah. And, and, you know, we're not there with China, but we would have lost our religious liberty. Yeah. I mean, even just turning Australia into a communist country, we've, we've been down that, close down that path before. It's really funny because at this graduation ceremony that, that I went to yesterday, one of the students got up and did a speech in which she thanked Goth Whitlam. <laughs> I had to have a little chuckle. I don't think any of the millennials knew what she was talking about, but I had to have a little chuckle. As a, a student said. student got up and thanked God, God for Whitlam. And, like, I mean, We're sure, gonna, I get the point, but, like, uh, at the same time. The one guy who got sacked. Yeah, the one guy who got sacked. Like, you know, and we don't know for sure if he was going down that path, but, you know, he was heading in something that definitely looked in a communistic fashion. And we, No, he wasn't going down a communist path. He was definitely left-wing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was that's what they were trying to accuse him of. Yeah. And that's why they had to get him out. But any as, as soon as you started describing this new system in China, the very moment that you say they can't criticise or say something bad about the government, you know you're in a, chickle, in a pickle. And I need, to, I need to note here that our right-wing government is still not protecting religious liberty here in this in, in this country as is needed. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah, and they're not creating a framework for uh, religious liberty. We need to look at China and realise this is where we could end up and uh, we need to be campaigning and voting intelligently here in Australia for our religious liberty and protecting that um, with everything we have, really. So, yeah.
The Breakfast Show, bits you may have missed. Welcome back, guys. You're here with the Faith FM Breakfast team with Encounter with God as we move on with our morning show. And this morning we are studying, as we have been as part of the 20 Million Movement, uh, the subject of unity. Unity in the Bible and particularly unity in worship. And don't forget that every day you can join a movement of faith a movement of 20 million other people right around the world who are all studying the same passage of the Bible at the same time. But while we're waiting for Mon, we're going to read some of the most sublime worship passages that you'll find anywhere in Scripture, and I'm super excited about these ones because over the last two weeks at Maitland Church, these are the passages that I have been preaching on, namely Revelation 4 and 5. So your homework for today, when you get home or when you uh, finish your work or finish your commute, whatever it might be, your homework for today is to read Revelation 4 and 5, two of the greatest um, worship passages that you'll find anywhere in Scripture. These, of course, these two passages, are they form part of the introduction to a prophecy, and that prophecy is called the Prophecy of the Seven Seals, which traces the history of uh, of our world and of the church down through to the return of Christ. And of course, this is the, the primary reason for the praise and worship that is taking place here, is that it is the, uh, um, it, it's about the redemption, first of all, that Jesus offers in the beginning of the prophecy, and then... It's about the second coming of Jesus when he comes back in power and great glory. And so if we go to this prophecy in Revelation chapter 4, and I'm going to read it from my old KJV simply because I love the way it writes it. It says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and I heard a voice like a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up here, and I will show you things which must be hereafter. Immediately I was in the Spirit. Behold, a throne was set in heaven. One, someone came and sat on the throne, and he that sat was to look look at like a jasper and a sardine stone. There was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like an emerald. And round about the throne were 24 seats, and upon the 24 seats I saw 24 elders clothed in white clothing, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. Here we are introduced to a passage in which... The throne room of God himself is seen. One of a number, a very small number of places in the Bible where uh, prophets were taken actually into the throne room of God and were able to observe what was taking place in the throne room of God. And here we see worship at its highest, worship at its fullest, worship at its most complete as uh, the heavenly inhabitants worship God face to face right there in his own throne room. Uh, Mon, why don't you keep, keep reading for us there in verse 5. Uh, your translation might be a little bit simpler than mine, but uh, Revelation 4 and verse 5, we're going to be uh, looking at some, some, in, some, some of the highlights as we go down through this, but let's just get a big picture of the grandeur and the awesomeness and the power of God. From the throne came flashes of lightning <clears throat> and rumble of thunder, and in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. This is the sevenfold spirit of God. In front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass, sparkling like crystal. 
In the center and around the throne were four living beings, each covered with eyes front and back. Okay, so let's stop there for a moment. And this is one of the things that you're going to notice. Uh, whenever you are studying passages of the Bible that deal with heaven and God's throne room in particular, what you find is that the authors don't actually have the words in their language to be able to describe what they're seeing. Mm. It's a little bit like uh, if you were to take John or Ezekiel, because Ezekiel is another one of those prophets who has a vision of the throne room of God. And you know what John covers in three verses, Ezekiel covers in two chapters. So Ezekiel has a lot more detail. So Ezekiel 1 and 10, if you want to go and read that for homework as well, then uh, that will give you a an image there, a picture of, of, of God's throne room. But it's a, it's a little bit like, you know, imagine, Mon, if we were to take these two guys uh, from their day, launch them into the future, into our day. Yeah. Right? And so then we, so we give them fun. a bit of a tour around for the day. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, we t- take them to work, take them to the, to the radio studio, explain what's happening here, show them all of our social medias, how that works. You know, um, maybe take them down to the airport, fly them up to the Gold Coast and back, you know, a quick short flight. Let them play with an iPhone. <laughs> Let them play with an iPhone for a while, drive them around, take them to the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, and then send them back to their day and tell them to write down everything that they saw. And to describe it to their fellow people. And it, do, mm-hmm. do they have the words in their language to no, describe what they saw? No. Even if they knew it was called an iPhone, how are they going to explain what an iPhone is to their yeah, fellow that, people? <laughs> that's right. They had these iPhones. They had a what? <laughs> <laughs> it would be quite hilarious to see. You know, what, kind of, what kind of words would a 1st century or a 5th uh, century BC prophet use to describe an iPhone? Yeah. Or to describe an aircraft? Mm-hmm. Or to describe social media? Yeah. You know, social media is like, it's almost just as much as a concept and a construct than it is a <laughs> thing. Like, what words do they have that actually describe that? Mm-hmm. You know, they have gossip, but it goes through the air, and everybody sees it you know? <laughs> <laughs> on a screen. What's a screen? <laughs> How do they see it? Well, they see it on a piece of glass. <laughs> yeah. They have glass. Yeah, yeah. They see it on a piece. How do you see gossip on a piece of glass? You know, it would just be. I would just be impossible. I would just love to hear them try and explain a motorbike. It's like a horse, but it's got wheels. But it's only got two wheels. But (laughs) and it doesn't need a horse. Yeah, that's right. right. You ride it, but um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it would be so much fun. I would love to have a time machine. Mm. Oh, for it sure. It would just be the best thing mm-hmm. ever. I think that's why time machine movies are so popular. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because people are always like, you know, this is what I would do kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. Love to and, play and themselves and they, in and that. They, and they just generate so much imagination. Yeah, absolutely. You know, particularly if you could go back in time and take a few cool things with you. Yeah. <laughs> go back in time, but I'll put an iPhone in my pocket. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And when I get there, I'll, um, you know. I mean, you get a little bit of that experience. You know, I had a little bit of that experience when I was in uh, in the Solomon Islands, a very remote place, um, seven hours hike from the end of the four wheel drive track, and um, amongst villages who had uh, we were the second time white people had ever been there. Oh, really? Wow! Um, Living totally traditional lives, and particularly the kids. You know, you pull your iPhone out and start taking photos, and then show them their own photos. It was you know whenever I wanted to do an evening meeting. Because they had no concept of time. We couldn't say, look, hey, rock up at six o'clock. 
you know, that didn't work like that. So whenever I wanted to do an evening meeting, I'd uh, sit down with my iPhone and start flicking through photos. And of course, instantly I'd be surrounded by kids. And so I'd start taking their photos and taking selfies with them. And, and they would just laugh their heads off. You know, they're seeing their faces on the screen. Uh-huh, uh-huh. All this. They thought it was the the most amazing thing. They just, <laughs> just, they were just, you know, their minds were melting. And, of course, within no time, you'd have a great crowd of kids and then, of course, the kids would bring the adults and the adults were kind of shy. Mm-hmm. You know, they'd be sort of standing back but really, really keen, like really, really wanting to look but shy to actually engage. Mm-hmm. And then you'd call them around, start a meeting, start preaching the Word of God. And, nice. And had a, a, a 12-volt uh, video projector <laughs> and a, um, a bunch of, uh, you know, um, Christian documentaries, that kind of stuff on, on a USB stick plug it into the projector, connect it up to a motorbike battery, and away you go. That's amazing. <laughs> Beyond series, DVDs for the first time ever on a USB stick. <laughs> in the middle and of nowhere. It was in the Solomons, in the middle of nowhere. That's awesome. <laughs> it does give you a, a bit of an insight into what it would be like, but you can understand the struggle. You know, we, we had a, uh, a 15-year-old girl that we, we – um, and, and a 10-year-old boy that we took out of there for medical attention who had, um, who had never been out of the bush. Oh, really? They'd never seen a boat. They'd never seen a car. They'd never seen – they'd seen airplanes fly over. Mm-hmm. And they had seen a helicopter. A helicopter had been there once. Wow. Uh, but, you know, the, and we took them down to Honiara, you know, and just the, 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 the girl, she was like super quiet, but the little boy – he was so excited, you know, pull up, pull up in Honiara be hot beside this massive container ship, you know, and uh, it was, he, he was, eyes were just bogging out of his head. <laughs> you know, took him down to the airport the next day and this plane's taking off and, you know, roaring down the runway and, uh, yeah, just really, really catching his attention in a very powerful way. Um, that's a little bit of a challenge, isn't it? I can, we don't know what the time is. Something's about to click on, but... Um, it's flashing red. It's flashing red. It's not flashing. There it goes. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. There we go. We're back again. Uh, this time we can see what's going on. That's always um, so much better, more yeah. comforting to know much how much time we have. Okay, so we're reading this. You know, John is seeing the throne room of heaven. He does not have the words to describe it. The Bible says, "I has not seen, ear has not heard." Neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for us. You know, so you have not even been able to imagine, just as John would not be able to imagine an iPhone, we cannot imagine what God has prepared for us. No, it's so exciting. It is super, super exciting. Okay, uh, a couple of key points here. Verse 5, the Bible says, Out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire before burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Whereabouts is the throne room when this takes place? Uh, Where do you find seven lamps of fire? In I don't know. It's called it's the menorah. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, I suppose. On earth it's called the menorah. Menorah, yeah. Yes. When you but say seven torches, you... I think of something like much bigger than a candle. Ah, uh, ha, ha, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like pitchforks and torches. Because <laughs> oh, you've got the newer translation. Yeah, 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 yeah. The seven lamps. And, of course, you find that Jesus is standing in the seven lamps at the introduction to the seven churches. And here we find that same imagery once again. And, of course, the lampstand was a symbol of the Holy Spirit and the seven different aspects of the Holy Spirit. And the primary aspect of the Holy Spirit being divinity. 
And so you've got one lamp lampstand with seven different lamps. Um, you find those seven different aspects of the Holy Spirit in Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 2. Uh, so that's, if you want to write it down, it is, is Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 2, where you will find uh, those seven different aspects and, of course, the divinity of the Holy Spirit being the primary aspect of the Holy Spirit, symbolized by the lampstands. Okay, so whereabouts is the throne room? Uh, in front of the throne, was it? It's in, it's in behind the shiny sea of glass. No, it's on the sea of glass. It's up, oh, it says in front of the throne, was a shiny sea of glass. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's very close right. by. Yeah, yeah. Either okay. on or next to or in or... You're right. Yeah. It could be on the shore. Mm-hmm. wonder what a sea of glass is. You know, we didn't yeah. even know what that is. It's like, yeah. maybe, maybe it's a massive screen. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe this is how the judgment takes place. It's just all under your feet. Yeah, sea of glass. That's a, that would be an old-timey way to describe a screen. Yeah, that's true. Who knows? Oh. I think our screens um, are probably... God would be like, yeah, whatever. You're crazy. That's so primitive. <laughs> a screen. As if we would use a screen. Uh, anyway. Um, okay. Yeah, but, 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 but. Mm-hmm. Where do you find the seven branch candlestick? Uh, let me have a look. The seven in front of the throne. It's there in front of the throne. It's in front of the Everything's throne. Everything's in front of the throne, apparently. Everything's in, okay, so the seven, if the seven branch candlestick is in front of the throne, mm-hmm. on earth, where do you find the seven branch candlestick? In the sanctuary. And whereabouts in the sanctuary? Next to the. Oh, hang on. Altar of incense. Yeah, I'm and going through so little of, images in my mind. As yeah. path, <laughs> a little pathfinder brain's kicking into gear here. <laughs> I'm placing all the little bits and pieces around the room. <laughs> okay, so next to the altar of incense and beside the table of showbread, right? That's right. Yeah, I knew, I knew it was next mm-hmm. to the bread. And so you have a courtyard, mm-hmm. you have a holy place, and you have a most holy place. Mm-hmm. Where is the seven branch candlestick? It's in the holy place. It's in the holy place. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. So what we find here is that um, the throne has just been placed in the holy place. And Ooh. that's significant because it gives us a time period. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, of course, is when Jesus has just ascended into heaven and his ministry in the sanctuary is about to begin. Because the, the Bible talks about his, his multiple ministries in various sections of the Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this gives you a time frame. And that's always important. So here the throne, the throne of God, we find, has just been placed in the holy place where intercession takes place uh, on our behalf. Of course, that intercession takes place in the most holy place as well. But anyway, this is the, so here's the, here's the, here's the picture that we are getting. AD 31, Jesus has died, been buried, he's resurrected, and now he's ascended to heaven. Mm-hmm. Throne is set in the holy place. Somebody comes and sits on the throne. That's the Father. You've got 24 elders surrounding. You've got these four living creatures. And Jesus is about to arrive. Oh, I wish we, had, well, we wish we had a week that we could spend on this chapter. <laughs> okay, so then the Bible goes on in verse 7 and 8 and describes the four living creatures. Remarkable description. Uh, the first was like a lion, the second like a calf, the third had the face like a man, the third was like a flying eagle, and they had six wings, and they're full of eyes, and they don't rest night and day, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Why don't you read for us verse 9 and 10? 
Whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the four, 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say... Okay, let's stop there before we hear what they say. Notice what is happening. This is a worship scene, isn't it? Absolutely. This is this is total worship taking place in mm-hmm. heaven. This is adoration. The Father is sitting on the throne. Mm-hmm. The 24 elders, the four living creatures, they're just worshiping, worshiping, and praising uh, the Father for who he is and what God has done. Let me read verse 11. This is what they actually say. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you have created all things, and for your pleasure they are and were created. Okay, so that's really, really uh, fascinating right there. Notice what the Bible says. Uh, you're worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you have created all things. For what reason? Uh, they exist because you created what you please, like for, for his pleasure. For his pleasure. Yeah, 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 yeah. How do you get pleasure from a person? Oh, from having communication with them and spending time with them and contact Absolutely. with them and relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Which really speaks uh, volumes about the character. Can of you God. get a pleasure from a person just by looking at them? No. Yeah, there's one or two people yeah. that look nice, but I yeah. think there's about eight people in the world that uh, fall into that category. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. And you only that only works. That only actually, um, you know, there's about, uh, and, and by saying that, I'm, there's about eight people in the world that are uh, in the category of uh, supermodels. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you can get pleasure from anyone on this earth, regardless of whether they're a supermodel or not, by having a relationship with them. That's right. It doesn't matter whether they are the most attractive person or the least attractive person. And the simple reality is that if you were friends with a supermodel, if you knew a supermodel and you had the opportunity to be friends with that supermodel and all you ever did was look at them, very boring relationship. Really creepy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that too. Okay, so if God had created us just to be looked at, that would be very creepy and very off-putting and very, very boring. You would get bored of it, I'm thinking, after about 10 minutes. Oh, absolutely. I'd, I'd be after the second like, minute. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a really beautiful person right there. But, you know. I can't interact with them. Yeah, yeah, it'd be very dull. Yeah, this this verse really. I mean, we have we have certain celebrities like. Uh, um, Here we go, Lyle, trying to give a celebrity name. <laughs> Chris, what's his name? Hemsworth. Yeah, I knew you would. I knew you'd know that name. You know, <laughs> where um, you know, you look at the guy and, and he's an attractive guy, right? Yeah. 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 You don't think so? I prefer Chris Pratt, but okay. yeah, go on. Chris Pratt. Okay, we're Chris Pratt. We'll use Chris Pratt as an example then. Uh huh. And you think he's an attractive guy. It's like, yeah, he's a nice guy to look at. Mm-hmm. But um, would you be satisfied if uh, you know he was your next door neighbour and all you ever did was just look? No. 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 You get no. bored with that in 10 minutes. Oh, for sure, for Let's sure. Let's go knock on this guy's door and, and get to find out what kind of a person actually is Bake he. Make him some cookies. <laughs> Make him some, uh, yeah, abs- yeah, there you go. <clears throat> Anyway. But this, but this Bible verse does actually. He's into smash, healthy food too, as well. Yeah, it does smash the concept of of God being an arbitrary God who's just interested. He's a bit of a greenie in, like you. I think you're getting your Chris's mixed up. Am I? Okay. Yeah. Right. But yeah, he, I probably do. <laughs> but you know, this, people have this concept of God who's not interested in our lives and who just wants to, you know, burn us in hell forever. Like it's such a. I mean, these verses like this, of which there are so many, just completely makes that null and void. 
Absolutely. Yeah. That he created us for his pleasure. It had nothing to do with, you know, he doesn't want anything to do with it. He's not an absentee God. He's not an absentee father. He wants to be involved with us. Most definitely. And the whole purpose of our creation was so that we could be his friend forever. For eternity. Mm, absolutely. The whole reason that he died for us. You know, we have, Christians have this Christian he's, he's saying like, Jesus died for our salvation, which a lot of people out there in non-Christian land are like, what does that even mean? We don't get that. Uh, but Jesus died for your friendship. All victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Oh, come on. Are you washed in the Can wash away my sin. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power. Working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other found I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Said nothing but the blood of Jesus. Are you washed in the blood? In the blood of the Lamb, He sought me and bought me with nothing but the blood of Jesus. Forgiveness. It's easier said than done. But there's a program called Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. Verse five, chapter 5, verse 1. The Lamb opens the scroll. Then I saw a oh, scroll. You're not supposed to read the heading. It gives sorry, it away. Sorry. Then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and of the outside of the scroll, and it was sealed with seven seals. Okay. So here he has a book. What's significant about the book? Two things. Give me two things that are significant about it. Okay, it was writing on the inside and on the outside. Right. And it was sealed up with seven seals. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now the seals. What you find is that they are okay. So you have got to think of a book mm-hmm. in the terms of a first century book. Yep. Doesn't have pages. It's one long piece of paper that's rolled up. Rolled up. Yeah. 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 So therefore, you only ever write on one side of it. That's right. Yeah. But he's got one that's written on both sides. It's a double-sided 
book. So what's the significance of that? <sighs> you think that not be- only that, not only that, but it's rolled up with mm-hmm. seven seals. And That's what you're a lot find, of seals. What you're going to find is as you crack each seal, you can unroll a portion. Then you crack a next seal and you unroll another portion. Oh, so they're not like all in a line. They're not all in a line. Okay. You break and, them and we're talking about wax seals, not like seals. <laughs> Yes. Okay. Wax yeah. seals. Yeah, yeah, good. Just want to clarify that. Um, or, um, yeah, yeah, we use all kinds of different, you know, it's like putting a sticker over it these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, okay, yeah. All right, so that's the kind of book that we're dealing with. It's a double sided book. Mm-hmm. Okay, keep reading. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. Okay. That's where I'm going to stop you. Darn it. (laughs) (laughs) What was his response to not being able to read the book? He starts crying. This book is in the right hand of God. Wow. It obviously contains... The words of God. Mm-hmm. And he is that keen to read that book. Well, maybe he's like spotted some of the right on the outside. He can like sort of see it and he's like, oh, I want to read the rest of that. Oh, mm-hmm. maybe, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. It's like been tantalized. All right, maybe. But he also, okay, so, but, but think, the, the, the big point here is, is the word of God. Yeah. Have you ever approached the word of God like that? So desperate to find out what it says that if you can't, you would weep. That's very profound. There are many people throughout history who have. absolutely. And who have sacrificed their life Mm. just to get their hands on a copy of the Word of God. And I think people in Australia don't really understand that because we live in a country where we're still allowed to read our Bibles. But in countries where it's forbidden, you would be weeping for the Bible. Yeah, we had somebody here in the studio recently that had uh, a handwritten Bible. Really? Yeah. Wow. I've helped write several handwritten Bibles, but I've never like seen one. Okay, in but completion. this was handwritten out of necessity. Oh wow, wow! Yes, mm-hmm. the only way they were ever going to get a copy of the Bible, and they just yeah, you know, they had uh, you know your standard um, school book with yep, writing yep. pages in little it, textbook, and yeah. they had a, had a pile of those, mm-hmm. and they just written out the whole Bible because the only wow. way they could get a copy of it. Wow! Yeah, just mind-bogglingly amazing. A country that will remain unnamed. Okay. Bring Profear out from that, but go on. <laughs> yes. A country where there is persecution, where people do lose their lives for being Christians. And they would definitely be weeping for Bibles, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and this is where John's at. Okay, so he really, really wants to find out what's inside this book. Okay, so there's some clues to this book. Let me share with you a, uh, a clue very quickly that is worth consideration. It is a double-sided book. And in the first century in ancient Israel, there were double-sided documents. But they weren't your standard storybook. Your standard storybook was never written down as a double-sided book. But there were double-sided documents, and these were legal documents. All right, so what we've got here is legal language that is being brought in. Mm okay. Yeah, absolutely. So there's legal language being introduced right here. And what happens in a legal situation is that, you know, uh, you've got a great example, uh, I think it's in Jeremiah 32, uh, where Jeremiah buys some land, and you've got the whole story of how that transaction, that legal transaction takes place. Now you write up the contract, and then you sign it. Um, in ancient Israel, guess where they would sign a legal document? At the bottom of the scroll? Nope. At the top of the scroll? Nope. On the seal? Nope. 
in they blood. They would sign it on the back. Oh, on the back. Okay, okay and it's a really good, it's a really smart move because you think about it. Mm-hmm. Sign it at the bottom, someone can cut the bottom off with a razor blade and re-sign it. That's true. Sign it at the top, they can do the same thing. Yep. Sign it at the back, what are you going to do? Destroy the whole document if you do that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You've got to, uh, and, and of course, it'll be signed by the people who are involved and the witnesses and so forth. And so what here we have is some legal documents. <coughs> we need to find out. And by the way, <coughs> these ones are signed in blood. Did you know that God loves you? Yes, he does. Oh, yes, he does. Did you know that God loves you? Yes, he does. Oh, yes, he does. He would give his life for you, and he did. Oh, yes, he did. He would give his life for you, and he did. Oh, yes, he did. Question of the day with Lyle and Mon. We need to get on with our uh, question of question the day. Question of the day, Lyle. What is the most accurate version of the Bible? Ooh. Mm. The King James Version. Prove it, because we've had a bit of discussion <laughs> on our socials. Well, we have too, yeah, haven't we? Yeah, on all okay, our so socials, basically, basically, it works like this. Um, this is going to vary from one language group to another, so we are assuming that this person is asking this question in relationship to the English language. Did, yes. Um, and the second thing is that there is no such thing as a perfect translation. You are a person who speaks two languages. Mm-hmm. You would know that a perfect translation is impossible. You can't just turn one word into another word. Correct. Because often you need to add in words or take out words to make a sentence structure that actually makes sense. And all translations have been done by human beings, uninspired human beings. And so you're never going to have a perfect translation. And I love my King James Version. It's my favorite ever. But I could show you some mistakes in it. Um, some translational mistakes like where it talks about sick handkerchiefs and so forth. But uh, we don't have to go there this morning. The point is, none of them are perfect. What you've got to aim for then is the best one. And so here at uh, Faith FM, we use two translations. We use the KJV and we use the NLT. Uh, the NLT is a more thought-for-thought translation. It's more like a devotional uh, kind of a Bible. It's uh, easy to read, easy to understand, but it doesn't. it's not always as clear theologically. 
And so when you want a Bible for studying theological truth, for discovering truth, for doing a in-depth Bible study, you need a translation that is a more word-for-word translation. And your KJV family of Bibles uh, aim to be a word-for-word translation rather than a thought-for-thought translation. With a thought-for-thought translation, you are relying on the thoughts of the translator, not the thoughts of the author. If it was the thoughts of the author, yeah, great, but it's not. It's the thoughts of the translator, and I don't trust that all the time. So a word-for-word translation gives me the opportunity for me with my Bible study between me and God and the Holy Spirit and a study of the Scriptures to be able to find out the thoughts of the author, not the thoughts of the translator. And so that's where you need to head for deep Bible study. Um, Now, Along with that, of course, you need to consider what the Bible is trans. There are some excellent translations out there of very poor manuscripts and vice versa, some excellent translations of some very good manuscripts. The argument there basically is majority versus oldest. So you've got the majority manuscripts where, you know, you've got, you know, 98% of all manuscripts read the same. They look like this. And then you've got some older manuscripts that read a bit differently. Uh, they make up about two percent of the ancient manuscripts that are in uh, th- that are available. Some argue that the older ones are more accurate. Some argue that the majority is more accurate. Personally, I take the argument, and we can probably have this in depth argument in depth uh, some other time when we've got more time, or jump on our social media and comment. I take the view that the majority manuscript is much better to go with than the older one, particularly when you look at the pedigree of the older ones and where they originated from. It raises some very large question marks over um, how. Yeah, the, the the motives behind the people who actually made those manuscripts. So those are some of the different arguments and the different discussions that are out there. The most important thing, of course, is that you read the Bible. I came to Jesus through reading the NIV, which is now one of my least favorite translations. Uh, but the most important thing is to actually get a Bible and read it, and you will find Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you so much. If you have a question, give us a call here, 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. Yeah.
Words by Keith Lancaster and the Acapella Company. Yay, very good. Okay, so we decided we would do just a little outro exit here for you guys um, to finish off today's show. So we hope you enjoyed the show, hearing all of the best bits. I've really enjoyed putting them together for you. Um, it's funny, Mackenzie, because I listen to the show pretty much every day, and now yeah. I've been, been listening to the show Oh, about four or five shows a day while I'm just editing them yeah, up yeah, and yeah, editing them sure. up. But I don't get sick of it. I really enjoy just listening to, to all of the segments that they do. And yeah, and I hope all of you listeners have enjoyed it too. Um, we are really hoping to go live tomorrow if Lawson is well enough. And um, we thought we would do a little uh, prayer. We seem to think that the the devil's kind of been working against us here yeah, to, to get this happening, because the last two days something has come up and we haven't been able to to run the show. Um, and the the best ofs are good and everything, but there's uh, there's still something really special about the live show. Yeah, because you hear all like the people calling in and stuff and just saying how. Um such a blessing that this show has been to so many different people and you can see why satan would want to stop that and why that wouldn't he wouldn't want it to become a thing again like yes yes for sure and we do need everybody to continue to pray also for the meeting that's coming up on the 29th and the executive is sitting and going to revisit the decision and we hope that they will overturn it but um, we will leave that in the lord's hands but yeah if everybody can just really be praying about that between now and then that would be great. So um, what do you say? Let's have a, a word of prayer. Sounds good. Okay. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your blessings, and we pray that you will um, continue to bless um, the airwaves here on Faith FM. We're grateful that we as The Breakfast Show can be part of it, and we are grateful for all of the wonderful comments and messages that we've been getting in from people for support. And it's just really driving home how, how much this show means to a lot of people. And we just ask, Lord, that you will make the way possible that uh, the show can continue. But we also just really want to pray for Lawson at the moment. You know, he's really sick today. And we see that the devil has been really throwing all kinds of things in the way of been, being able to run this show live um, at the moment while we wait to find out uh, the decision of the executive next week. But we just ask, Lord, that you'll work it out so that tomorrow the show can go live again and that we'll be able to do the 
um, encounter and the quiz and all the different bits. And we just leave that in your hands, Lord, and just ask that you will lead and guide. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, okay, so we will leave it at that. And I just wanted to... Um, to, to say thanks again. We did get a couple of messages in today, and please keep them coming. The more, the better. And um, yeah, we just uh, appreciate all of your support. And thank you, Mackenzie, for joining me today. Oh, good. It was lots of fun. Yeah. The bits that I was on. <laughs> <laughs> Small little bits that we did, but we still had fun, and we hope you guys enjoyed it too. Thanks so much.